This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Five-hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. Five-hour tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of five-hour energy. For more information, visit fivehourenergy.com. Calm. Take the baseline out. Uh huh. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knox podcast. My name is Dan Favalli, coming at you with my super duper, incredibly esteemed, awesome times awesome, fantabulous, spectaculario, proponent of NBA executives having burner Twitter accounts, co host. Andrew D. <laughs> Bailey. Before we jump into today, we have a couple of news items to get to, and then we'll we'll do our NBA Finals previews and, and predictions that you can yell at us about. I just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone to continue rating, reviewing, and subscribing to us on iTunes. It means a lot to us when those numbers go up, and to know that you're listening, to know that you're giving us feedback. Uh, it, it does. Again, it just means the world to us. That's the best way to continue to support the pod. But you can find us everywhere you find your other podcasts. So subscribe to us there if need be. Just make sure you're listening to us. Feel free to interact with us on Twitter. Uh, we, we love talking to you guys. And you can still get 15% off at MBA Math's shop. That's mbamath.com slash shop. Promo code Benno, B-E-N-O. Should be easy enough to remember. He gets a shout-out on every single pod that my esteemed co-host is on. With that, we get to the question that everyone is dying to know as we begin this podcast. The answer to it, anyway. Andy, how many burner accounts do you have on Twitter? Uh, I'm pushing double digits at this point. I think that'll be a big barrier for me to break once I set up number 10. Um just know that if somebody's in your mentions maniacally defending Nikola Jokic, it's probably one of my burners. <laughs> <laughs> that's big. T- I give uh, if someone was running double digit burner accounts, that's that's impressive. <laughs> well, does Colangelo have a real one beyond the five burners? I, that's one thing I didn't figure out. If he's running six or even five accounts. Shout out to him, although I guess he didn't do it super well because it looks like he might have been uncovered. I want to know who – well, we should start by the, – the, this is the news item we're going to start with. <laughs> Let's jump right in. Yeah. The, the Ringers' Ben Dietrich published a piece um, 
titled The Curious Case of Brian Colangelo and the Secret Twitter Account. And I had saw it last night and didn't think much of it. I started doing other things and you texted me and you were like, did you read this? It is wild. And so I read it <laughs> and my mouth just continued to drop as I got lower and lower and scrolled through the tweets. The And you can add to this synopsis, but the gist, the quick overview I got from it, there were five burner accounts. He has copped to running one of them, but the other four, which have been highly critical of his own players like Markel Fultz, Joel Embiid, Nerlens Noel. Uh, they've also been critical of Sam Hinkie, Raptors, Raptors president Masai Ujiri. Uh, they talked about what would have been incredibly confidential information, uh, vetoed trades, Jaleel Okafor's health, uh, Joel Embiid's work ethic. It was just, it got crazier and crazier. And, and if true, he's in a world of deep shit because this is just... An incredible breach of confidenti- confidentiality and, frankly, morality. When you look at him, they've tweeted since he's taken over. He's Those accounts have tweeted since he's taken over the Sixers. So to do this while you're in charge with the team, of the team, is is just so incredible. It's a, it's a scandal for 2018. That's for damn certain. And I'm just wondering where your head is at with all of it. I, <laughs> I told you before we started recording, I feel like I am... I just totally believe it at this point. And a lot of the connections that Dietrich makes in the article, um, I don't really want to summarize them because he does it so well in writing. And and I think if you haven't read the story yet, you got to go to the ringer. As of this morning, it's still the lead story. I imagine it'll probably be their lead story for a while. <laughs> um, so go and check it out and read it through because it's, it is wild. And there are just too many connections here for, for me to feel like it's a coincidence. The only other plausible, <laughs> and I use the word plausible lightly here, um, the only other explanation to me is that there's like some hard, hardcore anti Colangelo fan who orchestrated this thing for <laughs> a couple years. And I posited that theory on Twitter and someone responded. It was hilarious. Um, Wouldn't it also be cool in the- <laughs> to find out that there are just like this handful of this is all a coincidence and there are a handful of Brian Colangelo diehards just rolling that would around be, on there. That would be hilarious too. Um, for like five random people around Philly to be pushing all the same talking points that Brian Colangelo would want. Um, but anyway, that funny tweet was from Trey Toupay and he said, some Sixers fan, who else would have the know-how and the patience to pull this quote process off? And he's got a picture of Hinky on a phone. Um, that's a funny conspiracy theory to me. Obviously, I don't think Sam Hinkie is truly responsible for this. Maybe a Hinkie acolyte somewhere. Um, so I mentioned the connections that he makes in the article. The one that seems most, uh, I guess damning to me is the one right at the start of the article. Uh, he asks the 76ers about the accounts, but I thought this was brilliant. They only ask him about two of them just to kind of hide their cards a little bit. And then right after he asks about two of the accounts, the other three go private. That that seemed like as big a red flag as anything I saw in there. And then as you said, as you just go down the article, your jaw drops more and more because the rest of the article is basically the tweets from these accounts, and they are crazy. Um, and they all, like I said, they all seem to be going for the same objective or agenda. And... <laughs> By the time you get to the end of the story, it's so hard for me to believe that anyone else was behind this. Yeah, I, 
I go. I don't actually go back and forth. I think I tend to to tilt towards kind of kind of what you're saying. I just don't understand what he. You said it before we even hopped on that you think most executives or a bunch of them, agents and and even players. Shout out Kevin Durant have burner accounts, which is fine. It's an easier way to monitor stuff. But what do you have to gain? by actually running these accounts and coming to your own defense or or really just obliterating your peers. And the the it was just so random because he goes on these rants against Masai Ujiri too. It was just it was Well, it's basically everyone who fans have put above him at different points in his career. He goes off on Ujiri, he goes off on Hinky. It's like anybody any anytime someone has um better public perception he feels like he has to get on there and and uh i don't know correct the story uh, maybe i don't I, and then the one <laughs> Just, i have go ahead i the one that got me and I'm, i was scrolling through the article while you were talking and i honestly can't find it but i believe there was there was just so many to pour over there was a tweet that basically it attacked everybody at once by saying that like masai ujiri should trade for Nerlens Noel or was it Julio Okafor with like a winking face emoji and I'm just like <laughs> I, I was like that has just Colangelo written all over it and if it is him some of the one of the well one of the many many things he did wrong don't tie it to yourself in any way by saying oh I worked with him he's a class act that, yeah that's like that first class stupidity there was, like, there was like four or five of those BC is a class act <laughs> It's like, it's incredible. And then there was the I sent you the tweet last night. Um, Liberty Ballers is I wish I could find it now. I was tweeting too much last night apparently because I'm throwing I'm scrolling through my own archive. I, I had to get those jokes off though. Um, but Liberty Ballers is at Sixers Adam went to reset the password and tried three of his burners. This and, was good and too. Every single one has a phone number ending in nine one apparently of the three that he tried. Well, yeah, three of the five. Yeah. And some people are saying that like exonerates Colangelo, but this is uh, every executive has to have multiple phone numbers too. Right. I picture most NBA executives kind of like um, Ari from Entourage, where they're just holding all those phones in their hand at once. Yeah. That's how I imagine it happens. What uh, was that? Your favorite tweet, the one that you relayed? Because I think my favorite is um, I just had it. No, I lost it. <laughs> Dartmouth Matt in November seven on November seventeenth, twenty seventeen, tweets: "This dude just loves callers." And then enough known sources, uh, one of the Colangelo burners responds: "That is a normal caller. Move on. Find a new slant." I, yeah, so, <laughs> that's the best. One of the ones I found bordering on disturbing was the still balling account where he wrote of faults. Supposedly, he just had some really traumatic family personal experience, which really messed him up. Yeah. Probably just needs some time to process, but, and then has, like, the blushing emoji and heal. Like, the, disturbing wow. is a good word for some of that stuff. To to do that, and then he he goes in on uh, Fultz's trainer, I think with that same account. Um I don't know which account it was, but like you said, he also talks about Jaleel Okafor's health, and he's telling reporters to ask Jaleel Okafor about a failed physical. Um, and I'm, <laughs> I'm talking like this is this is a fact that it's him. I, I probably shouldn't be doing that, um, but 
man, this is just crazy. And then Joel Embiid's responses <laughs> last night were hilarious. What do you think about his last one where he said, you know, all jokes aside, I think I don't think it's true. That's got to be like an agent telling him to do that, right? Yeah, that's definitely got it. Or maybe that this is just another or one. Or PR. Of, yeah, or another BC burner is Joel Embiid just just hacked him. <laughs> I, the you know what I actually found that I kind of expected all that from Joel Embiid, and you, if it's not true, that's the that's like the reaction you want. Your best player kind of turned it into a mockery, and then said like, yeah. "Yeah, I don't believe it." Like that's what you want. Like him really not giving it credence. I was more fascinated by Woj's response, and because he. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he went like, "Don't fuck with Woj." He went, he went, he went in, and um, the one tweet that he had during the night as this was all unfolding. And meanwhile, this is great because it's it's a Tuesday night, and I'm used to working late on Tuesday nights. And I told the fiance, I was like, "Hey, you know, there's not going to be basketball tonight." And she she used to like <laughs> basketball, now despises it probably because I work too much. I was like, "So we'll probably just have like time to chill." She wanted to go over some wedding stuff, and I'm like sitting down with her, and all this crap is unfolding late at night, and I'm just like, "Yeah, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, like, I'm gonna be of no use to you right now because there's all these tweets coming out, and it's funny that that's an actual thing that I'm doing is, hey, I'm, I'm monitoring Twitter like because I'm five <laughs> years old, but anyway, Woj tweeted maybe there's an IT person who can prove it wasn't Brian Colangelo, but here's one of his biggest problems in disputing ring, the Ringer story. Those tweets reflected not only private team biz, but launched personal beefs, jealousies, frustrations that he shared inside and outside the 76ers. So Woj, like, understands that whether or not this account, these accounts, excuse me, are Brian Colangelo himself, they are reflecting his views. That's what Woj seems to imply here, is that even if these aren't his account, like, they share a common slant. His collars. Someone... Um, I can't can't remember who it was, but someone mentioned that there's been like a little bit of contention between Woj and uh, Jerry Colangelo, Brian's dad. Do you remember anything like that? I do not. Maybe I, I don't even. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I shouldn't have gone down this rabbit hole without being prepared. Um, well, there's too many yeah, angles like said, to cover this from. It's just yeah. like it's. <laughs> if there was, you know, if there's ever anyone. That you wanted on your side in something like this, if you're in the NBA, it's probably Woj. Um, and it, I, I don't know if he, you know, it's probably not fair to say he's taking sides, but like. Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the. Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all stages situations. Like you said, the slant of his tweets, they seem to be kind of pushing 
um, that this is <laughs> at the very least problematic. It's uh, just a wild, wild story. And Mark Cuban and Daryl Morey just getting in on the fun last night. Morey's was funny. And so did you see Danny Ainge had one too? Oh, yeah. I saw, I saw like the shh emoji when he said like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and then Woj did tweet, um, I think just before we hopped on, he tweeted that Brian Colangelo has been actively reaching out to individuals mentioned in those burner accounts, insisting that he isn't responsible for the tweets. And he also... Like, uh, this might have been the night before that executives around the league seem to believe this. It is hard to fathom a GM risking his job in such a reckless manner. Many are giving him the benefit of the doubt on that level alone. It just doesn't add up. And that's why I'm... I, I feel like I'm right there with you where I believe it's him, but I'm also on... I, I, I'm, like, refusing to go there entirely and continuing to hedge because I'm... I just don't... How are you... Can you be that unstoppably moronic is really my... Here's- Here's my question on that, or my, I don't know, maybe part of my argument. Is it just that he was, he wasn't raised with social media? I feel like, you know, obviously you don't have to be a genius to know how to run a Twitter account or to be like aware of the pitfalls of social media. But sometimes I wonder if the older generation isn't just quite as aware of the pitfalls as maybe somebody who came up with all this stuff. That's true, but you would think like having, it's just not as ingrained in him. Go ahead. I I would get that, but being around the league now as long as he has, yeah. you have to see that these a perfect one is everyone likes to bring up past tweets of incoming draft prospects, and yeah. so like they, like whether they've used racist language or they've been derogatory just in general or they've criticized incumbent NBA players, current teammates. Like, you you see that stuff, and you just, you have to think. And then how did he, I mean, like, I guess if he doesn't have a real Twitter account, because I was looking for it before and couldn't find it, but, like, how did you not think running so many of these that you were eventually going to screw up something? And as you said, the prompting reporters to ask questions, I'd love to know if any of them actually asked. Or he was encouraging yeah, one of them to, like... Yeah, that was really bizarre. He was, like, encouraging one of them to ask for an exclusive interview, claiming he'd actually get it. And... The thing you mentioned, too, at the beginning, those accounts going private or dormant after the inquiries were made, that's an issue, too, because it's like, is anyone, would anyone step forward and say that, oh, like, this is my account? And maybe he has, like, four or five Fall Guys set up who are ready to claim the Twitter account <laughs> as their own. Like, I have, I have no idea because I, it's, uh, it's just mind-boggling. I can't picture someone being that reckless as executives told Woj, but at the same time, there are just way, way too many connections for there not to be some kind of a link. And even if it's someone who is close to him and not him himself, that's still problematic because, as Woj again alluded to, these seem these accounts, these tweets, they seem to convey at least the skeleton or the framework of his own thoughts. You know what else is it? I thought of this last night and you made me think of it when you were talking about, you know, just how reckless this is. You would have thought that when all the Kevin Durant stuff blew up, that anybody who was engaging in this kind of stuff would have deleted every tweet from their burners and deleted the burners. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been sort of the prudent reaction to the Kevin Durant thing? Yeah, or at least stop tweeting from them. <laughs> like- I, I, if it was me, I would have deleted 
deleted everything and gotten rid of the accounts. Because to, to see the backlash that Durant got, and especially if you are, let's say this is true, <laughs> if you're Brian Colangelo and you see that and you have five accounts doing stuff that's uh, objectively crazier than what Durant was doing, I would have been terrified to have that come out. Oh, 100%. And where where are these guys finding the time to run alternative Twitter accounts? I can't – I'm, like, terrible oh, at yeah. running our Hardwood Knox Twitter account. <laughs> like, I, I, like, I'm so bad at updating my – like, I can go through spurts where I'll forget to tweet. It's just – I'm trying to, like, start my Instagram up, too, and here's Brian Colangelo maybe with, like, half a dozen fake Twitters. Like, how are you running these things? And uh, I'm with you. I probably would have yeah. deleted them if I had them. At the same time – or at the bare minimum, rather, like just stop fucking tweeting from them. Like, yeah. just you can use it to monitor stuff, but you don't. And are are you honestly making a difference by some Twitter handle that doesn't really have any followers? What are you? How are you building your case? Because I, I, aside from them, prom- him prompting reporters to ask questions or request interviews, but is that really supposed to work? Like, I don't think I'm. I'm almost impressed that Dietrich, like took the tipster even semi-seriously that he saw because it was yeah, kind the, of this un- unknown account. The very start of it, I was like, man, there's no way I would have responded to that person. Right, and so it's these Sixers beat reporters, I would assume most of them, if not all of them, would ignore such a response. Like, go ask this question. He said, our source, whose identity is still unknown, contacted me via anonymous egg accounts on both Instagram and Twitter claiming that they had a scoop. The source explained that they worked in artificial intelligence and, after noticing a bunch of weird tweets directed at Sixers writers, used an open-source data analysis tool to link five accounts through commonalities including similarities in who the accounts followed and linguistic quirks. Um, <laughs> I guess I guess if it was like super detailed about that stuff at the end, I might respond. But generally speaking, I if I see like a crazy egg twitter or you know instagram i'm not on instagram but like a crazy egg twitter response it's uh like an instant ignore for me so shout out to him for following this <laughs> oh I, it was a fantastic report and i yeah he and he left it i think open enough to where it was like he like laid it out where it was i mean and that's the mark of a good reporter you're not supposed to come to this necessarily necessarily sweeping conclusion when it's an investigation but i thought it wasn't like he said okay this is brian colangelo but holy crap it's getting really hard to believe it's not brian colangelo yeah like i said by the end after you read through all the tweets um and all the various connections that he makes it's it's super hard to believe anything else oh and and as we're as we're recording this by the way the timberwolves Twitter account, which has been amazing uh, over the past few months, just tweeted out a video of it's like a, a screen grab of them deleting an account under the Timberwolves official <laughs> account that says Go Wolves and then a bunch of numbers. It's like Go Wolves 1989, 1234. Oh man, six. that's funny. <laughs> it, this is just. I just, I just looked that up. That's good. It's such a scandal for 2018. And um, I'm, even if it's not him, do you see, and maybe to get to the actual severity of this incident do you see him being able to keep his job in philly just because this is a hugely important offseason for them they have all this cap space 
They've been deemed possible destinations for LeBron and Paul George. How are you supposed to pitch these guys with Colangelo in the room or even on staff now if there's there would have to be concrete, ironclad, airtight evidence that it wasn't him for them not to be thinking in the back of their yeah. minds, oh, wow, like, what is this dude doing? What is he going to say about me on a different burner? Even if, like, Philly releases a statement a couple weeks from now that says, after our internal investigation, we found the IP addresses were not linked to Colangelo or whatever, I, I still think there would be tons of people who wouldn't believe it that would still think he was responsible. So I agree with you. Um, if it is him, obviously he's done. And it's, it almost feels like announcing that we're doing our own internal investigation is almost like step one <laughs> of the removal process. Uh, so that's super interesting to me. I, I don't, like you said, it's hard to see a world in which he keeps his job, even if they do come out with some sort of exonerating statement or evidence or whatever this way i don't i don't know how you move forward i I don't know either and this if he gets fired are are we all of a sudden seeing sam hinkey's names like kind of linked to a bunch of different jobs now just like is there something it should be already yeah that's true i guess this really shouldn't have an impact on that this is clearly the most bizarre story of the year right i know jr smith threw soup at a Cavs coach i know that chris paul led a secret mission to the, to the Clippers locker room earlier in the year, but that seems like it was overblown. This this takes the cake as the most bizarre story of the year, right? It's not even close. I, Yeah, I agree. There's the soup. Like you said, there's the tunnels. I think the Kawhi and Fultz mystery injuries are like also in this discussion, but this one is head and shoulders above the rest to me. I was, I was so fascinated <laughs> last night after I, I read the article at about 8 p.m. my time and just sat there digesting it and like looking around on Twitter trying to find stuff for an hour. And then I did a radio spot at 9 o'clock my time. Um, That's about all we talked about on the radio spot, or at least half of it. And then I went back inside and just was following, like you said, just following along on Twitter for like an hour or more after that. It was, it just consumed (laughs) my entire night. I think not only is it the weirdest story of this season, would you say it's crazier than the DeAndre Jordan kidnapping? I've seen some people make that comparison. Yeah. Of like I, three, two or three years ago. I don't, I, I don't even I remember how long ago it was now. Even that's one that could be overblown just because, I mean, it was overblown because it was, we, we like had it in our head that they were with all these emojis, like the NBA players that were involved kind of steered into it. And it was, it was amazing, but like there was just so many like varying reports out there. Like the one about Mark Cuban driving around his car, literally couldn't find DeAndre Jordan, and we know that didn't happen. Uh, I think that for now, there's some authenticity to this one that these other situations, looking at this year, even the DeAndre Jordan situation, that this that that they just didn't have, and and this kind of has it. If something happens where it proves to have been blown out of proportion. I think we definitely revisit the DeAndre Jordan thing because they were very clearly there to make sure that he didn't change his mind again, which is absolutely ridiculous. But this, to me, has to has to take it. Did you... One last tweet I was wondering if you saw from Anthony Capelli, the one with Bill Simmons adjusting his tie. Have you seen that one? <laughs> yeah, I couldn't stop laughing at it. <laughs> <laughs> 
sees that Sixers have emerged as a favorite to sign LeBron, it's time. Publish that. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was like, because it, uh, do you know when the article itself actually dropped? Because it seemed like it was late at night, which is like a little bit of, a, it was at 9.08 Eastern time, which feels on a night where there's no basketball, maybe it just had the power. You knew that it had the clout that it would take over, but it, that doesn't seem like when there's no games on like high end visibility time. Maybe there was something. I wonder that... if they thought. I wonder if they thought we can capture the vacuum, because because there's a ton of Twitter activity during games, and I wonder if they thought we can maybe we can maybe have that since there are no games. Because usually, works. I mean, at least at Bleacher Report, we we almost always publish in the morning. Right. I, whatever they their thought process was, it worked clearly. Yeah, I was wondering last night. That's got to be like their most clicked on story ever. I don't remember anything else from them generating this much uh, commotion. No, no, I, I don't either. This is like, I'm sorry. I never planned on losing my job, but we all know life can change in an instant. And losing my family's health insurance was an even tougher pill to swallow. So I looked into Cobra, but too pricey. Then I found out I could enroll through Covered California, where I was able to choose from good health insurance companies I've actually heard of. I even got help paying for it. There's a limited time to qualify after losing your insurance. So check out CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. I never planned on losing my job, but we all know life can change in an instant. And losing my family's health insurance was an even tougher pill to swallow. So I looked into Cobra, but too pricey. Then I found out I could enroll through Covered California, where I was able to choose from good health insurance companies I've actually heard of. I even got help paying for it. There's a limited time to qualify after losing your insurance. So check out CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. Surprised it didn't break their servers or something. Yeah, that's a good point. I, <laughs> every shout out to their servers. <laughs> um, I guess 25 minutes is enough time to spend on the Brian Colangelo Sixers Twitter debacle. Some actual basketball news, though. The Magic as Woj first reported, have signed Steve Clifford to a four-year deal to replace Frank Vogel. What are your thoughts on that hire? Uh, I like it. I, I still think Steve Clifford's a good coach. Um, they were underwhelming this season, even disappointing, I, I would say, based on some of the stuff that I did. In the preseason, they looked like almost a lock to me for the playoffs, so they were certainly disappointing. Um I have like a general issue with NBA coaching searches at this point, though. Do you think it's weird at all how much it just seems to be sort of a recycling of previous names? And not that it's like, I'm not trying to, sh- to throw shade specifically at Steve Clifford. It just seems like you get into the NBA coaching mill and you're just kind of bounced around forever. It, it, it's it's kind of rare to see some new blood in there. And we actually have had a little bit more recently than I think we used to. Like I, I love the Hawks hire of a player development guy from the Sixers in uh, Lloyd Pierce. Um, Quinn Snyder was kind of an out-of-the-box hire for the Jazz three or four years ago. But for the most part, I just don't, I don't feel like there's a ton of creativity when it comes to coaching hires. I think for certain organizations, for sure, as they go after the big name, there, there does seem to be like some sort of a cycle. Like maybe you get a couple of chances before you're written off. I I don't. I agree with you 
Um, I did think I thought Igor Kokoshkov was a little bit of an outside the box hire. That was a good one this year. Yeah, uh, I was a little bit shocked to see that Borrego got a head coaching job before Messina. I thought him or maybe even Yudoka would have gotten one before him. But this also just proves from even the reporters who have the inside information in, and talking about us, these armchair analysis guys, we don't necessarily know how to evaluate coaches. Like we can look at what they're doing in these games, but like what are these teams actually looking for in these interview processes? And there are candidates that come out of nowhere each year because you don't have – you know, we don't – even if you have intimate knowledge of a head coach, very rarely do we talk about the assistants. Uh, Lloyd yeah. would be a perfect example. Who talked about him before now, really? No, he came it. out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. And so there seems to be some sort of calculus to it that maybe we'll never be privy to. But I, I do agree with you. I, I get tired of hearing the – for a while it was like the, the Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson – like those names were just regurgitated over and over. And now it seems like we're kind of moving beyond that. But it also feels as if we're seeing Messina, Yudoka linked to everything and that there'll be this next crop of guys. And Fisdale was like that as soon as he got fired by the Grizzlies. Maybe we're entering like that next crop of names that'll be universally linked to every job. And we've kind of moved on from, from the older guard there perhaps, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, now that you mention all those names, I guess there was more buzz about like at least assistance moving up this summer than I kind of remembered. But I, I feel I felt like the Knicks search was such a perfect encapsulation of this uh, minor issue that I have <laughs> with coaching searches. It's like every time a job is open, four or five of the same names come up, and it's like these guys already got fired from three different jobs. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you think will be different it's just it's an interesting little um nbaism i feel like that that it's just a recycling of the same guys over and over and over and it's but, interesting how aimless certain searches seems the nick the knicks oh, were yeah. a perfect example i think they made a good hire but they held this so extensive search with 11 candidates and i don't think you you looked at all of them and it, you weren't sensing any sort of a pattern like you go from no. Kenny Smith and Jerry Stackhouse. Kenny Smith's never coached before. Jerry Stackhouse is considered an up and comer. To Mark Jackson was linked. Uh, David Fisdale, and Mike Budenholzer were like those obvious candidates. It just seemed to go all over the place. I also like the ones that are that are. There's literally no search at all. Like the Suns with Earl Watson a couple years ago, and then the Grizzlies with JB Bickerstaff this year. And like you said, we don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. And maybe those guys made great impressions with the front office and ownership uh, during their time there. But it was like, <laughs> you're, you're not even going to interview anybody else. It just seems weird to me. Well, um, and then isn't it also to weird of, to fire a coach ahead. and then not kind of have someone in mind to replace him? The Raptors, yeah, the Raptors would weird. be a good example unless they're really set on – Nick Nurse or Jerry Stackhouse, and they were just, now you're going out there and seeing what was available, though some of the bigger names have dried up. It just, I, I understand that these searches are important and they shouldn't necessarily be done overnight, but at the same time, if you're going to fire someone, especially someone who had success, like Dwayne Casey, you would think that you would have a clear replacement in mind. And even... The Detroit Pistons might be a good example. You know you want to overhaul your front office. You know that that probably isn't going to 
go over well with Stan Van Gundy. You have to have it caked in to to your plans that he might want to leave or that you guys aren't able to work something out. Speaking of the Pistons, isn't it weird that they hired an advisor to hire both the GM and the coach? What doesn't it undermine whoever the new GM is a little bit? I I don't know what they're doing there. Remember Philip Jackson was like in that same role at one point, right? Or they wanted him for it as the advisor that would help them look So through. weird to me. Like if you're a GM coming into that situation, I you want your own coach, I would think. But I don't know. <laughs> seems like an, it seems like just a different order to do things than we're used to. And maybe that's maybe that's the creativity I was asking for earlier, but it, it didn't <laughs> feel like it to me. <laughs> The Clifford hire itself, though, I think it's going to be one that maybe to the general populace will seem sort of like a lateral move because his reputation is kind of similar to that of Frank Vogel. They're both known as these gritty defensive coaches. But I do think that Steve Clifford has proved far more adaptable and creative on the offensive end. And maybe that's a testament to the staff that he was working with. But you saw Kemba Walker not only improve his jumper under Clifford, but he became one of the most versatile offensive weapons in the league, period. We saw that when the Hornets had the correct personnel, which they have not the past couple of years, their shot profile really leaned toward uh, a more modern look. He is He's really good at kind of instilling discipline into younger teams or even just younger players when you look at how well his teams t- typically do at not committing fouls, limiting turnovers, so I don't – I'm not going to say by far and away that this is an upgrade, but Steve Clifford, I did a, a ranking of the top 30 – of all 30 coaches leading into the 2016-2017 season. So it was two seasons ago, and he finished – I think I had him at number six or number seven because I think he's he's still even kind of underrated. And the Hornets have been disappointing these past two years, make no mistake. They also haven't had the best talent there. I'm interested to see where this goes, and I think they've given him – for him specifically, some nice pieces to work with. Uh, Jonathan Simmons seems like a guy that he'll really be able to tap into. Evan Fournier, maybe as well. Um, Aaron Gordon, I don't really know how... I I don't know if Steve Clifford's going to get any more out of him, but I am interested to see how he does with Jonathan Isaac. And maybe he's a guy who will get the most out of your number six pick. And I think we've seen his work with big men before. Um, I'm interested to kind of see... What can he do? Are they going to hold on to Vucevic? And if they do, is he going to have a bigger part with them? I, I, I'm, I think this is a good hire. He's at least worth taking a flyer on. I did think they must have a lot of confidence in it, though, to have given him a four-year deal. Because I don't think yeah, he would have had the big. leverage to go above three, right? In the current market, probably not. Yeah, that, that was one thing that surprised me, was the number of years when I saw the Woj tweet. Um you mentioned his work with big guys. I For a while, I felt like the, the strongest part of his resume is what he was able to get out of Al Jefferson. Um, and to have like near the top of the league defenses with him as your starting center was super impressive to me. A couple questions I have. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how willing he'll be to embrace modern basketball. If they bring Gordon back, I, I wonder if he'll play the Gordon-Isaac front court that I've Covered California knows that one moment can change your life. That moment you say, I do. That moment you meet your baby for the first time. Or even that moment you lose your job and your health insurance along with it. For those times when life changes, we've got you covered. Covered California lets you choose from brand name health plans. And you may even get help paying for it. Your enrollment period is limited. 
So find out if you qualify by getting free expert help at CoveredCA.com today. Covered California. It's more than just health care. It's life care. Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be five-hour energy. It works fast. It works long. It tastes good. And with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. Fits your pocket. Fits your backpack. Fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. Five-hour energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit fivehourenergy.com. Long to see all season long. Um, he's also sort of one of those old school coaches when it comes to playing time for rookies. It took forever for Malik Monk to get on the floor. And I wonder if, let's say they take Trey Young at number six, will he be the starting point guard from day one or will we see Shelvin Mack in that role? So to me, there are still questions, but I think from just like an X's and O's standpoint and just sort of a general intelligence and experience with the game I, I feel like he's a objectively good coach well I think the the difference there when looking at Malik Monk is that the Hornets were supposed to make the playoffs and so like the, I, I think that made it more difficult to give him the string yeah. that he would have needed to like the leash he, he needed to operate on but I, that would be interesting I really do want to see more of the Gordon Isaac 4-5 combination um, yeah, I'm dying to see that. That that just screams modern basketball to me. Right, uh, and I think that when in the minutes they did play together sparingly, we looked this up once before on the pod. the The Magic had the, their defensive rating with them on the floor together was was fantastic. It was they allowed. I'm looking at it now per cleaning the glass, 95.2 points per 100 possessions, which is in the 99th percentile. The offense was a mess, but the Magic didn't really have a ton of offensive talent. I definitely think that's worth exploring a little bit more, but they did not go in those situations with the 4-5 combination. Pretty much all of their minutes or possessions came with Vucevic or Biombo yeah. on the floor. So I, I can't help but chuckle when I hear... I, I just instantly think of Biombo's contract from 2016. Didn't uh, Biombo played under Clifford for a little bit, too, for a minute? Uh, was he on that... He had to be because Clifford was remember. in Charlotte for five years. So, yeah, he was there for the 2014-2015 season. So well, there you go. So maybe reunions. Uh, yeah. So he maybe Biombo was pushing for him behind the scenes. He played for Clifford for two seasons. So yeah, may, maybe this was Biombo's decision as their franchise. <laughs> oh man. I think that's um, – I would give – if you if you had to grade it, which we don't normally do, I think I'd give this a B plus, a minus, a – like I don't know that they could have done any better in the market that's out there. Perhaps they could have gotten – they are they, – they should be focusing on kind of a from-scratch rebuild, so they could have gone with a less established name to maybe grow with their core. But I, I don't have – I have I, – we shouldn't even grade this. I have zero qualms whatsoever about the hire. I'll say B just because I the same complaint I had earlier. I feel like NBA teams in general can expand that market a little bit. Go go outside the box a little bit more. But I, like I said, I think he's a good coach. So it's it's certainly going to be a passing grade for me. All right. Our next topic is about how Brian Colangelo said he would trade Joel Embiid for Christoph Porzingis <laughs> in a heartbeat. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Jumped in. <laughs> that was another one that was funny, that tweet, by the way. That was funny. Yeah. He uh, said something like, 
I'll take Chris Stapps over. I can't remember the exact wording, but it was hilarious. He's like, he claimed that he was like a smarter player, which is I just, yeah. like. Anyway, I hear that there is. <laughs> I hear that there's an NBA Finals that is set to tip off on Thursday. How about that? Yeah, I mean, does it even matter? We shouldn't even talk about it. Let's go on to the next Twitter scandal. <laughs> So the I looked at some of like the the betting odds for this just to see how much of an underdog Cleveland was and this is just a rough average. I would say that Cleveland is laying about a plus 650 compared to the Warriors who are like a minus 1100 on like on the regular. That is that is incredible. And it says a lot. It's it says a lot about both teams because LeBron James is churning out 40 point double doubles. Like they're nothing, and yet his team is still a heavy underdog. His supporting cast is clearly not good, and then you just have the Warriors, who I think people are selling the Rockets short by saying Golden State would have come back from three to two, even if Chris Paul was healthy. They might have, but let's remember that the Rockets jumped out to a 17-point lead in Game Six and a 15-point lead in Game Seven. If Chris Paul plays, maybe it's a, a touch easier for them to maintain those leads. I I don't even know necessarily where to begin with this series, though, because I'm not sure I give the Cavaliers a remote chance of winning. Do you? No. <laughs> it, it's hard for me to see a scenario in which they even win, like... I mean, I think... I guess I could see it getting to six games. I, I can't possibly see going further than that. And I would probably... I'd probably be more comfortable saying Warriors in four than Warriors in six. It's it's just really hard for me to see Cleveland winning this thing with how inconsistent the non-LeBron players were in, in basically every... They, they were good against Toronto, but they were so up and down in the other two series. Um, and that's just so much of a load to put on LeBron, especially when you're facing a team as talented as the Warriors. It's just... Like I said, it's super hard for me to see a path in which they make this competitive. You bring up an interesting point. Last year, the cow they called it the coward's pick, was to pick the Warriors in six. And I picked the Warriors yeah. in six because I was a coward, and they won in five. <laughs> Doesn't it kind of feel like picking Warriors in five is now the coward's pick because there seems to be an abnormally high chance of a sweep in an NBA final setting? Yeah, I would say it has shifted a little bit. I think you're right. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if this is a sweep, but I am maybe I'm a coward because I am afraid to pick it just because <laughs> how ridiculous LeBron has been. Um, here's a here's a fun, not-so-fun stat for LeBron's supporting cast. Players who are not LeBron on the Cavaliers are shooting under 30% on pull-up jumpers. <laughs> yeah, it's not. That's like a problem. They yeah. don't have that second guy. It, Rodney Hood doesn't play anymore, and I'll be interested to see whether he does crack the rotation now because it seems like a six foot eight inch wing, even one who plays smaller than his height and isn't particularly long, it seems like he's a must play in this type of setting. But you don't look at him and say he's going to be the guy you can trust to create shots off the bounce behind LeBron. Jordan Clarkson thinks he's that guy and is not. George Hill doesn't shoot enough. I've been he, – he's never been a high-volume guy, but the number of four-shot, six-shot performances he's had is mind-boggling. I'm totally with you. 
if if he would be more aggressive, I think that would change a lot for them. Um, not like <laughs> not give them a chance in this series, but they'd certainly be better. Do you want to? <laughs> I'm looking at Cleveland's playoff numbers right now. Um, <laughs> the difference in the advanced numbers between LeBron and everyone else is just staggering. For box plus minus, zero is average and minus two is replacement level. LeBron's at 14.7, which <laughs> for those who don't look at this stuff much, that is absolutely insane. It's going to go down as the second best playoff box plus minus ever behind only himself. And I, I think it was the 09 season. I don't have that list pulled up right now, but I just remembered that from the last time I saw it. Larry Nance is 5.6, which is really, really good. Kyle Korver's 1.8, which is good. Tristan Thompson, 0.4, slightly above average. Everyone else is below zero or below average. And here are guys who are below two or minus two, which is uh, replacement level. Kevin Love, Jose Calderon, Rodney Hood, Jordan Clarkson. Um, Calderon's the only guy I just mentioned who hasn't played at least 200 playoff minutes. That and then is. starters like George Hill and Jeff Green and J.R. Smith, all below zero, all below average. They all have below average uh, PERs, too. J.R. Smith's playoff PER is 6.7. <laughs> An average PER is 15. Like, he, he is getting uh, – some of the jokes and analysis about the lack of help he's getting might even be, like, under uh, – Selling it. Under-exaggerated, yeah. It's it's insane. And what makes it so difficult is I can't map out a path to Cleveland making this a series. I think it starts with No, I can't either. Maybe it's it starts with Igadala won't doesn't play in game one because of his mystery uh mysterious left knee injury, and they're able to steal that game on Golden State's home floor because Durant shot under thirty seven percent from the floor in games four, five, and six against the Rockets before going off in game seven. Durant and Draymond Green, by the way, are both shooting under 30% on wide-open three-pointers in the playoffs. Draymond Green also leads the Warriors in defensive rebounding rate and assist rate for the playoffs, though. Uh, he's been spectacular. But maybe yeah, something like A lot that. of people are talking about his shooting and how he's like not the same player. I've seen that take a bunch of places. His, everything else he's doing is, is at super high levels right now. We're just used to, and I agree, we're just used to him kind of shooting better in the playoffs. It, it, if you look at his numbers, most of his playoff splits, particularly over the last two or three years, I believe, his three-point percentage has, has spiked in the postseason, and maybe that's, that's it. That's true, yeah. the other, But the other thing to consider is, is that the Warriors are mistaken as this high-volume three-point shooting team, and they're really not. They're like— Yeah, they, especially not since Durant's been there. Right. They, they can shoot. They have the two greatest shooters in NBA history with Klay Thompson and Stephen Curry, but once you move beyond Kevin Durant— they don't really have anyone. Andre Godala just started shooting better, but that's the ex- then Nick Young. Like that's the extent of their established snipers, and that's not a heck of a lot. Um, the but to get back to the Cavaliers, I don't know. Do you have? Do you think you have an idea of how they'll play this series? Kevin Love is still going through the concussion protocol, but let's assume he's he's going to be ready to go at some point. I would imagine. Is do you play him at center? It's you almost have to, in my opinion, because having both him and Thompson on the floor together against the Warriors feels like a, a defensive disaster waiting to happen. 
their defensive rating last year in the finals with Love and Thompson on the floor was absolutely terrible. And you look at uh, when Love has been played at center uh, after the trade deadline, the Cavs were a plus 14.4 points per 100 possessions. And you look at him playing center specifically in the postseason, and the Cavaliers have a defensive rating under 104 when he's – uh, it's 103.8 when he's playing center. That's solid for any, like, just to contextualize that. It would rank, uh, I think, third overall for the playoffs. And specifically, him and him and Jeff Green, when you use Jeff Green at the floor, the Cavs are giving up just 94.1 points per 100 possessions in, in the minutes those two have played together. That is, one, sort of encouraging, but two, more so absolutely positively unsustainable. I feel like that model with Kevin Love at center – is kind of due for serious slippage defensively. It's not because you compromise your rim protection. The Cavs can effectively punt on that because they don't have a ton of it anyway. But you make it so much harder on everybody else when you have him as the guy in the middle. And I don't think you can trust Jeff Green. Granted, you couldn't trust Jay Crowder to be the guy to defend Kevin Durant. But having Jeff Green on Kevin Durant, it just I feel like it creates all sorts of problems. Yeah, I guess I guess the justification if they do go that way is we know we're going to get torched <laughs> no matter what lineup we throw out there, so we might as well throw out our best offensive lineup. Um, and I, Brian Windhorst said something interesting on, a, I think it was a low post several weeks ago now, but he said, you know, Ty Lue has had this reputation as a defensive-minded guy, and he was kind of a gritty, hard-nosed player, but as far as lineup decisions have gone in Cleveland, it's almost always all offense. So I, I, I can see why they would go that direction. I was just thinking while you were talking, why haven't why haven't they tried Nance and Love more? And they've actually played it more than I thought, and it's getting destroyed in the playoffs. Um, it's appeared in ten games and, seven, and played seventy five minutes, and the offensive rating is ninety seven point six, and the defensive rating is one eleven point three, which is minus thirteen point seven net. So that's not working at least now. Um, but I feel like at least statistically, their two best players in the postseason have been LeBron and Nance. I would like to see those two play together more. Um, as far as how they will play and how they can make this competitive, it seems super reductive, but the only thing I can think of is LeBron. He has to just continue to be like a one-man show. I feel like he would almost have to average a 40-point triple-double for these games to be close. And even as I say that, the amazing thing is that's like you wouldn't be totally shocked if you saw that, right? If he averaged 48 and 8 in this series, like that wouldn't blow my mind. Well, he's averaging 34, 9, and 8, and 34, 9, and 9 basically for the playoffs. So, no, that would not shock me. Yeah. And over the last six games, um, and Bill Simmons actually threw these numbers out on his podcast, so I'm stealing this, but he had that terrible game one against Boston. For the rest of the series, he averaged 36.7 points, 9.3 rebounds, 8.3 assists, 1.3 steals, and one block. Shot 54.7% from the field and 46.2% from three. That is, <laughs> And they barely nuts. got by the Celtics with those numbers. So... <laughs> Wherever you go, however you go, for energy on the go, it's got to be five-hour energy. It works fast, it works long, it tastes good, and with zero sugar and four calories, there's nothing holding you back. 
Fits your pocket, fits your backpack, fits your on-the-go life, whether you're going to work, going on vacation, or just going out with friends. 5-Hour Energy. Energy on the go. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com. 5-Hour Tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. 5-Hour Tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of 5-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com. He he has to do more than that, which is unfathomable for any other player in, in probably the history of the game um, to, I think, even be competitive with the Warriors. Because it took that kind of an effort to beat the Boston Celtics, who were without their two best players. The If you – and I was writing a preview for Bleacher Report, and so I looked at this. If you remove the um, Cavaliers is just four-game shellacking of – uh, the Raptors from the equation, the Cavaliers are a net minus in LeBron's minutes for the postseason. They were a plus yeah, 11. Yeah, that's not surprising. They were a plus 11 against the Celtics with LeBron on the floor and a minus 28 versus the Pacers. And so essentially they have the best player in the league playing at the peak of his powers and they've either lost or just barely won the minutes he spent on the court. That's a problem. And I wonder, you talk about the LeBron-Nance pairing might be interesting to see. I wish the Cavaliers had the wing depth to kind of say, we're going to play LeBron at the four. Because LeBron Love in the front court, per cleaning the glass, is a plus 42.5 points per 100 possessions. That was from the regular season. But they don't have... How do you how do you fill out the rest of that rotation if you're not going to play Rodney Hood? You have George. Yeah, Hill, you'd have to have you have George Hill running Hood. point, and Kyle Korver can be on the floor. But then who's your three? Is it J.R. Smith? You would want it to be Rodney Hood. It shouldn't be Jordan Clarkson. It definitely shouldn't be Jeff Green. There are just matchup problems all over the place, and I, I think people are even I don't want to say overstating, but they're miscontextualizing. Andre Godala's potential absence. He's not the primary defender for LeBron James anymore. Kevin Durant, you look at the tracking data, no one on the Warriors defended LeBron for more possessions uh, this this season than he did. And so you're not losing your primary LeBron defender. He is your se- one of your secondary defenders, but that's also why you have Draymond Green, where it really starts to hurt the Warriors, if it hurts them at all, is that it forces Klay Thompson to probably guard the most active off-ball guy, and maybe he was going to do that already, chase around Korver as he's going through all those screens. But then without Iguodala on the floor, and if you're playing with Looney or West, uh, maybe even Jordan Bell, you can't, I'm going to use bunny quotes here that no one can see, hide Stephen Curry on the weakest offensive player for the Cavs. And you don't necessarily have to hide him like you would in Isaiah Thomas, clearly. But it, it does make those schemes a little bit more difficult but uh, there are more matchup problems for the Cavaliers than there are for the Warriors even if they don't have Iguodala to start the series in games one or two yeah I, I don't know how many different ways we can say it it's it's going to be an insane battle for them um 
I have a Stizats stat for you because I, I got my brain like going on the bronze. Can, can we say that from now on? I want a Stizats. It sounds better when you say it out loud. This is trademark uh, uh, Dan Favalli. Um, LeBron has eight playoff games this season with a game score over 30. And for people who don't know, game score is it's a formula that puts everything in, in a single game box score into one number. Um, so there are 18 players. LeBron has eight this postseason. There are 18 players in the history of the NBA who have eight 30 plus game score playoff games in their career. Oh, LeBron has eight this year. Yeah. (laughs) He has had to do so much this postseason. Um, and he probably has to have seven more in this series for them to win this. Well, here's, here's the problem with that is that dude has (laughs) to be gassed. If you look and oh my gosh. This is hat tip to our co- colleague Adam Frommel tweeted this out in the 2017 playoffs, the entire playoffs, LeBron played in 18 games and logged 744 minutes through the Eastern Conference Finals this year. So he has a round left to play. He's played in 18 games and logged 743 minutes. He's already played through his yeah. entire 2017 postseason. And people made a thing of the turnovers for him kind of towards the tail end of that Celtics series. He coughed up possession 13.7% of the time against them. That's a not-so-atrocious number. It would still rate as his second worst for an entire postseason, but you don't look at a 13.7 turnover rate and see your eyes start to bleed. The problem... That, that'll that happen if he really is too tired where you're not going to get maximum effort from him defensively. He won't close out on shooters, something that's been uh, really just chronic for him during the year as he tries to conserve energy. More importantly, he's not going to get back in transition after missed shots. And that's when you go against the Warriors, that's going to be yeah. a, a really big issue. And, and so th- that'll be something to monitor as well. We say... I'm, I'm going to just give him the benefit of the doubt, and this could be one of those performances where I think even if the Cavaliers lose, that people will clamor for him to win finals MVP, and I can't say I'd be against it, because if he does push this to five games, or six, the Cavaliers have essentially see, exceeded expectations. What is your pick? I went with I went with the Cowards pick and Warriors in five. If I had to peg the likelihood that this would be a sweep, I would say... Probably something between thirty-five and forty-five percent. Like that does that. That like is just how sure I am the Warriors will win. Maybe the Cavs surprise us. Like maybe those minutes with Green at the four pan out. Maybe we see more James at the five minutes or actual James at the five minutes. Yeah, I thought that when you said James at the four, I thought I wonder if there's any way they can even push him to the five. They could not think about what the other four players would look like. You'd have yeah, to play Rodney that, Hood. You absolutely have to have Rodney Hood in that situation. It'd be like Hood, Corver, Smith, and Hill. I, that's, I mean, theoretically, it makes sense like, as I say it, but then I think about what Rodney Hood's <laughs> been for most of the season, and it's I, I almost shudder at what the Warriors would do. <laughs> yeah, I think LeBron's one-man brilliance is enough to get them a game. What say you? I'm going to go bold the other way, and I'm going to say Warriors in six. What? 
And I th- <laughs> excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. And I think uh, I think LeBron is going to get close to those numbers I put out, like forty points, eight rebounds, eight assists. I think he's going to be in that neighborhood. Um, like you said, I think there's a very good chance he wins Finals MVP despite losing the series. If if the writers are brave enough to do that. Um, my last question on this to you, are you tired of Warriors Cavs yet? I felt like I was still okay with it last year, but this season for some reason, it, it's fi- I'm finally starting to get a little bit weary of it. When both of those, t- when the Rockets and Celtics were both up three, two, I was, there was a little piece of me that was like, wow, it'd be kind of cool to see a different finals. <laughs> um, while in the back of my mind thinking, yeah, both of these teams are just going to win two in a row and we're going to get the same thing again. I'm, I'm not, like, really upset about it or anything. Um, it's just just now starting to get a little bit old to me. I get that. My Where my concerns lie is I want to see LeBron James play as much basketball as humanly possible because I think I recognize, and a lot of people recognize, that this is not going to go on forever. This is his 15th yeah. season, and I want him to... Not that I was necessarily rooting for the Cavaliers to beat the Celtics, but I just want to continue watching LeBron James. And I would have been okay with Rockets-Cavs. would have been super interesting to see how the Warriors would have reacted to losing before the finals. It will, it'll get to me post-series if there's not even a, an iota of competition in it. If this is just a five-game yeah. set where none of the games are competitive— but if there are some tightly contested games or if the Cavaliers surprise us all and they make your prediction of Warriors and Six accurate, I, I, LeBron has to get the finals MVP in that scenario to me. Just because I just yeah. – I, I, like I can't imagine them getting to six games looking at their personnel. Maybe they surprise us. Do you know what I thought? And I was looking for the betting odds for finals MVPs. Do you know who's this sneaky like I'm going to throw money down the drain but just in case I win? But do you know who's the sneaky good finals MVP pick? Uh, Clay. No. Um, if uh, he might be, but uh, if the Cavaliers win, we're going to assume it's LeBron James, but like, what if it's not? Then it has to be George Hill, right? The guy who's going to defend Stephen Curry, <laughs> the guy who, well, listen, the Cavaliers. That, that is a money down the drain bet. Correct. <laughs> I'm just saying he's a plus 50,000 right now. So if anyone has a C note to spare and they think he's going to lock down <laughs> Stephen Curry and run the Cavs offense. Uh, that that might be something interesting to monitor. The final, final question I have for you on this, what are the implications of this finals? If So if the Warriors lose, it's a bigger deal than if the Cavaliers lose because they're such heavy favorites. Do you see Golden State reacting to that in any way over the offseason? And you know where I'm leading you with this, and I'm doing it on purpose. <laughs> um, yeah. I could see them reacting. I, I feel like I've even talked about the possibility of moving Clay Thompson for a couple of years. Um, this is going to sound insane, but I, it's crossed my mind a couple times this season that maybe, just maybe, Durant might <laughs> be better somewhere else. Is that insane to even say that? It's one of those two guys, and I feel like Clay would be more likely. But we're talking about a highly, highly, highly unlikely scenario in the first place. I'm almost certain they win this series. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you there, though. It'd be interesting to see, like, his name hit the trade rumor mill next season around February. If they re- They'll re-sign him anyway if they lose, I believe. And then that would be... That would make for some great Twitter exchanges. But I think they would, oh, have, yeah. to, they would have to ask some questions about that because the Rockets aren't necessarily going to go away. LeBron himself isn't going to go away. He might leave Cleveland, but he's not like he's not going to go away. And if you – Zach Lowe talked about this on his pod. Two and four is eh. I, it's like, you know, it's, it's good, but it's not – is it a dynasty level? Um, yeah, you, you run into that argument with the Spurs where people don't consider them a dynasty because they never went back to back. I five hour tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors with zero sugar and four calories. It fits your life with its compact size and portability. It goes where you go to the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach without weighing you down. Five hour tea, caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your now. From the makers of 5-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5HourEnergy.com. 5-Hour Tea with caffeine from green tea leaves. It's delicious, energizing, and comes in three amazing flavors. With zero sugar and four calories, it fits your life. With its compact size and portability, it goes where you go. To the campsite, the hiking trail, the beach, without weighing you down. 5-Hour Tea. Caffeine from green tea leaves. Release your natural sight. From the makers of 5-Hour Energy. For more information, visit 5-HourEnergy.com. Happen to consider five titles over that there. Tim Duncan era yeah, that's a dynasty. dynasty. Yeah, but the Warriors, looking at this talent and knowing the luxury tax bills that are going to follow, I could see them reacting. I don't know that it would be Durant. I don't think it would, but I think it's a fair question to ask. And it depends on how they lose. If it's because, remember when it looked for a minute in that Rocket series, like their offense, they were going to deviate it uh, from it too much or not put the ball in Steph's hands enough. And if that's how they end up losing, maybe that's something they ask themselves. Do you think if they would have lost to the Rockets, I would have I would have answered that pretty confidently. Yes, they got to change something. Kevin Durant to Houston, obviously. Um, <laughs> do you think? All right, if LeBron wins, does it make? And again, this is a long shot. If he wins, does that just guarantee he returns to Cleveland, or do you think it makes it more likely that he would actually leave? Because it's like, what else am I supposed to do for this franchise? I got you two titles, and I dragged a bunch of deadbeats <laughs> to the second one. It's so hard to predict what he's going to do this summer. I feel like it would make it more likely that he would go back to Cleveland just because it's historically it's hard to it, it, We haven't seen very many people change teams of their own free will after winning a title immediately after winning a title. So that would surprise me. But the, the argument you laid out is, yeah, I gave you two titles. That does make sense too. So well, it is, <laughs> it is really hard to see the funny thing now about the uh, LeBron summer, now two of the prime destinations both have have guys that I think are are probably disliked by most players with Brian Colangelo in Philly (laughs) after everything that happened last night and then Dan Gilbert in Cleveland who there's there's been a lot of reporting about the friction between those two and maybe his love for the city and the people of Cleveland trumps his feelings for... um, Dan Gilbert, no, no pun intended, but it, it's it's very interesting that there are some other factors in a couple of these locations that that make the decision even more interesting. Um, yeah, and Adam, 
Adam pointed out on the previous podcast that he was a guest for that the Cavaliers kind of playing this deep into the postseason could technically betray um, their case to keep LeBron just because he's realizing how much he has to do alone and how much energy he has to expend just to get to this point. But you bring up an even better one because, yeah, there's the Dan Gilbert situation, and then I don't know if you saw the video that surfaced where after they won Game Seven against the Celtics, LeBron yeah, he doesn't even look at him really. Yeah, that, that, was, that, that was interesting. But that relationship is already in progress, and I don't think it plays as big as a role of now the Sixers, particularly if Brian Colangelo is still there. Uh, that like th- this hurts their yeah. LeBron case a ton. Like, like you said, point. I don't know how they attract any free agents if he's still there. And it's people it, are going to be suspicious of him from here on out. Yeah, it's I, and it's it's interesting that the Lakers have kind of fallen by the wayside here. But if you're a Lakers or Rockets fan, you kind of have to be happy about the Colangelo development. Oh yeah, for sure. If they if lose, you're LeBron, though, another factor to me is, wouldn't you want to stay in the East? Oh, a hundred percent. I wouldn't even want to go to the and Rockets. Cleveland is. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> There is so much more competition. You think you have to do a lot to get through the East and get through the finals? Um, he'd have to play even better to get through the West and, and continue his final streak. One thing that I think would be really cool for him legacy-wise is if he ever – I mean, we're only two two years away, so we don't even have to phrase it this way. If he makes two more finals appearances and gets to 10 in a row, that's something that I no one could have imagined. Like, we haven't seen that since the – 60s 50s 60s celtics back when the league literally had like eight or nine teams right if he got to 10 straight finals um in an era where there is to me way more talent than any other previous era that would be insane that's something that yeah i know i know jordan was six for six in his nba finals but 10 straight is just wild to me Oh, I'm right there with you. And the other thing we have to consider, that number eight pick, if you pair it with salary fodder and you look at yeah. you know, Tristan Thompson, two years left on his deal, J.R. Smith's appealing, and so is George Hill because they have two years left on their deal but only partial guarantees for that final year. You pair that pick with one of them and you could probably get something. I don't know who. I don't know if that's your – or if this is even appetizing enough, do you go after a Kemba Walker and Nick Batum trade or Kemba Walker and MKG trade? Maybe. It's just that that's a path for him. As if he stays, I can't imagine them keeping the number eight pick. And so there's a way for the Cavaliers to to get better. And they have they have like they could do some stuff in 2019 with their cap space because of those partial guarantees and depending on what type of money they take on. I don't think Cleveland's as poor of a destination for him to stay as it seems right now. Next year could be tough if they're not willing to trade that number eight pick. But it's like you said, why leave the East? There's no guarantee that, okay, the Celtics are going to be healthier next year and we'll have a pot about them soon. But Gordon Hayward and Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, who's making all these sets? Like that's a bunch of usage right there. Are Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum all all of a sudden going to be fine going back to accessories with sub-20 usage rates? Next year, maybe. And, you know, yeah. I'm not going to underestimate the Celtics. There's no guarantee the Sixers are still there. They they got waxed in five games by a shorthanded Celtics team, and their president has a bunch of burner Twitter accounts. So <laughs> it's just I think I still lean more towards him returning to Cleveland no matter what, but I'm over 2 on his free agency decisions. Yeah. So. 
Yeah, who knows? I, I think a fun sleeper out there still is San Antonio, even though they'd have to do some things to figure it out. But like I said, I think staying in the East is probably that's probably the best decision to me. Um, obviously, he's, he's probably thinking about things that I'm not. Like you said, Boston will be better. I think Milwaukee will be better with Coach Bud now in, in charge of what I think is a very talented roster. But whatever team LeBron is on is going to be the sort of preemptive favorite right. in the East. Because <laughs> for him to he, – he's like 100 games into this season, um, thousands of my, or minutes into this season, and still playing at the level he is – there's no reason to expect him to slow down next year or maybe even the year after that. So wherever he goes, if it's in the East, he's the favorite. Right there with you. And it'll be interesting. Maybe I'm hoping that we're, Oh, I guess I'm hoping you're right about this series because you have it being, even if the games aren't close to length, I want to see it go at least six. That's what I'm fingers crossed. It's just hard to picture for work. It would be nice if it went seven, cause I'm scheduled to work game three and game seven, but I don't think I'm going to get that. If it go if it goes to seven <laughs> games, I don't care what happens. LeBron is MVP. <laughs> yeah, that's that's probably total. Uh, that's fair. If he if he drags this to seven, that would be an incredible accomplishment. Um, I feel like we've exhausted everything we wanted to talk about today, right? Yeah, I think we spent most of or half the podcast on Brian Colangelo, which is which is fitting. I'm so interested to see where that goes. <laughs> But I have. Uh, um, I am too. I have Warriors in five, and you have Warriors in six. Yep. Um, we need to go back and see how close we were on all those picks. I I don't have them like written down anywhere. I know I nailed. Maybe I didn't. <laughs> Never mind. We need Forget to, that. when we do like um, an off season <laughs> predictions pod, or like a, for predictions for next season, or do the over under pod. A, we need, yeah, we need to make a doc and keep track of this stuff so we exactly. can see how bad we are yeah. at our jobs and to try. Don't sound like such listening. an idiot. Yeah. At the end of the podcast. Um. Anyway, I'm going to get to the close now. Thanks for tuning in. As always, uh, I missed you guys last week. It was good to be back. And as always, I'm thankful for Dan for picking up the slack when I am not here. If you want to follow Dan on Twitter. He is at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. The show is at Hardwood Knox. The sponsor is at NBA underscore math. And I've shouted this out a couple times, but there's a cool thing going on there. Um, if you Twitter search hashtag time machine draft, you'll see something pretty cool that we're doing at NBA math. Um, if you want some cool T-shirts with 15% off, you go to the NBA math.com slash shop and you enter the promo code Benno, B-E-N-O. There are some really cool NBA t-shirts there that you will not find anywhere else. Uh, very cool designs. Um, again, very unique. So go there, use the promo code, uh, find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever else you listen to podcasts, leave us a rating, leave us a review, uh, blackmail your friends into doing those same things. And until next time, we leave you with the shout out to Bino Udri. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. 
Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents. You'll proudly mow the lawn. Ask if anybody noticed you mowed the lawn. Tell people to stay off the lawn. Compare it to your neighbor's lawn. And complain about having to mow the lawn again. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. Which, of course, will go right into the lawn. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company, affiliates, and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations.